Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I'd like to give you some logical conclusions. You might not even know what that means, but I think once I tell you, you'll understand. So I'm going to make some statements, and they're going to sound weird, they're going to sound bizarre, but when you think about these things, you're going to realize that they are completely true. They may shock and disturb you, but you have to accept them. They are objectively true statements, okay? These are my logical conclusions. The word night has the same... uh Uh-oh. See, we did this last week, didn't we? (laughs) Or last time I was here. No, no. So many surprises. Okay. The word night has the same number of silence letters as pronounced letters. Hmm. Same number of silent letters as pronounced letters in the word night. It's true. Here's another one. Sucking on hard candies is basically drinking your favorite flavored spit. It's shocking. It's disturbing. It's true. It's true. We admire people for the hair on their head. I might need some help in the back there with my slides. My clicker's not doing the job today. Help me out. Next one. We admire people for the hair on their head, but the second it's off their head, it becomes gross. Why is that? When it's in my food, it's gross, but when it's on my head, it's awesome. Explain it. Next one. You go to college to pay for college. Boy, do you. I'm in. I'm in. Skip it. You don't even need it. Um, You never laugh too hard at something. You always laugh at exactly how funny you think it is. (laughs) I don't know, because if you laughed that hard, that meant you found it that funny. You just don't need to be ashamed of how hard you laughed at things. Try that. Try that on. See See if that proves true in your life. Someone coined the term to coin a term. Shocking. Disturbing. (laughs) Completely true. Nothing is ever on fire. Fire is actually on things. Shocking. Disturbing. (laughs) Okay, finally, these last two are my favorite. These last two are my favorite, okay? There are, on this earth, there are more eyeballs in the world than people. Yeah. Because not all, but most people have two. Shocking. Disturbing. Okay. This one's my all-time favorite and may require some explanation. Okay? If you were to... Help me out there, please. (laughs) Sorry, I know sometimes my clickers work and sometimes it's not. If you were to walk around the world, your head would have traveled a slightly longer distance than your feet. Think about it. Shocking. Disturbing. Here's a little diagram if you need help. (laughs) How did I know that you might need help? Here's a diagram for you. Help me out there in the back. So there's a little person, and your head is going around in that bigger yellow circle. Your feet travel on the red circle. You with me? Shocking. Disturbing. But it checks out, right? All of these things are objectively true. Can't, you can't, they're strange, they're weird, but you can't argue with them. They sound like new information, but really when you think about it, like you've known this all along, it's just a... 
logical conclusion. I've got another logical conclusion. We're in this series called Alive in Five. We're walking through this gospel presentation model. And the first two weeks have been two statements. And these statements create a problem. First, God is love. And the second statement, the second statement is our sin uh, divides us from God. That, there is a logical conclusion to be made here because logically you can see we have a problem. If God is love, God loves us perfectly, then him being separated from us is a problem for him. If we have this division between God and man and he loves us, he is going to want to fix that division, separation. And it was a problem. So tonight we're going to talk about God reconnecting with his people. Sin separates us from God in a big way. And it still does. That was true in, the, you know, in Genesis, in the Old Testament. It's true today. Sin separates us. It divides us from God. But there was an event in history that God used to change the game. He changed everything with this one thing. So God came to earth in the form of a man named Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and he came back to life came back from the dead, also we could be reunited with the God who loves us. This event is laid out in a Bible verse. Um, even if you don't know any of the Bible, you may have heard this particular verse. It is John 3.16. And uh, John recorded the events of the life of Jesus, and he said this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So tonight... We're talking about what God did out of love, what God's love prompted him to do. Sin came and it created a problem for him, so he had to fix it. And this is what happened. Jesus died for our sins and came back to life. Jesus died for our sins and came back to life. So you may have seen these five symbols throughout the series, throughout, you know, sometimes when I preach on Sundays, they're up there. When I'm preaching here, sometimes they're on the screen. They're on stickers, magnets, etc. You may have seen these five symbols around. And we use these five symbols to tell the story of Jesus. Each symbol uh, comes with a phrase, and it lays out the story of Jesus. It's called alive in five, because these five symbols bring us to be alive in Christ. So alive in five. So this lays out the story of the gospel. Um, and I don't want you to feel the pressure during this series to memorize each statement, because the, it's, it's the, really the pictures that need to be memorized. We may remember these five statements. They prompt us to remember the story of Jesus, each of those symbols is a, a part of that story. So tonight we're on the third symbol. This is the third week of our series. We're in the third symbol, which is the cross. And the phrase that goes with the cross, we already talked about it. Jesus died for our sins and came back to life. So let's talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot in here because we believe that he's pretty important. Yeah. The, the reason we're here <laughs> is because of Jesus. The reason that we spend our time in church getting to know God, uh, reading the Bible, singing about to worship, when we worship God. It's all about Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. What's really cool is that as soon as sin entered the world, as soon as man said, we are going to separate ourselves from God, God began to, he made a plan. And his plan was Jesus. So that we know that Jesus was the plan from the start. As soon as there was a problem, as soon as the problem of sin entered the world, God made Jesus the solution. So all the way back in Genesis, which we believe is the account of how things began. It's, it's a story of how God created the world, the beginning of everything. And we see that as soon as sin happens, God says, Jesus is coming. He alludes to Jesus. So he's talking about the punishments for sin here. This is in Genesis 3. And he says this. 
And I will cause hostility between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. So he's hinting here. He says, your offspring will fight with her offspring. And the offspring of the serpent is Satan. The offspring of the woman is Jesus. So he's saying this is the first time the good news was ever given. This is the first time we see a description of what Jesus is coming to do later. So theologians call this the proto-evangelium. Then that's just a fancy Latin word that means the first. So proto, think like a prototype first. Proto means first. Gellium, think uh, evangelism. You can hear that had the, the same roots there. First prototype, first uh, evangelium, the good news. So the first good news, proto-evangelium. You don't need to know that, but I want you to. And this is the first time in the Bible we get the, the good news of Jesus. All throughout the Bible, over and over again, there's these allusions to Jesus. There's this setting up of how Jesus is going to happen. But this is the very first one. And so we know it shows us that Jesus was the plan from the start. As soon as there was a problem, God knew that Jesus was going to be the solution. All throughout history, we see God hinting at this Jesus situation. Over and over again, he's telling people that he's going to send a Messiah. He's going to send a Savior. He's going to shake things up. He's going to heal the relationship, the division between God and man that sin has caused. And this Messiah is going to come and serve. He's going to come and die and reconcile God and man. He even mentioned specifically, God speaks these prophecies, specific details about the Savior, so that when the Savior comes, we're going to know who he is. We're going to be able to identify him because he checks off this list over and over again. There's these, these little details about what the, the Savior's life is going to look like. I'm going to give you one. Um, Jesus, we know Jesus is the Savior because he fulfilled those prophecies. All of those prophecies were fulfilled with Jesus. There's a bunch of them. In fact, the entire Bible is about Jesus and what he came to do, the whole thing. Whether it's before Jesus, where he's hinting at Jesus, recording the events of the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You may have heard those names before. Those are all our books recording the events of Jesus's life. And then commentary on how we should live our lives in light of Jesus's life. So the whole, the entire Bible is about Jesus and what he came to do. So I'm going to point out just one prophecy from the Old Testament because it's my favorite, uh, because it's so specific, such an interesting detail, and God made it happen. So this is the recording of the life of a prophet named Micah. And in Micah, God says, this is Micah 5.2, God says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, all the way back to Genesis 3, will come from you on my behalf. So interesting. Bethlehem was a city in the ancient Near East, and this is, and God says this little city, this is where the Savior is going to be born. All throughout the, the history, he's saying the Savior's coming, he's going to shake things up, he's going to change the system, everything's going to change. And this particular city, Bethlehem, is where he's going to be born. Bethlehem was not the Los Angeles or the New York City of the ancient Near East. So he wasn't like, you know, giving out this giant area. He says, yeah, I'll be born in the Eastern Hemisphere. Like it wasn't this vague statement. Bethlehem was a little tiny city, maybe the Wilkesbury, maybe the Knoxon, maybe the Edwardsville of the ancient Near East. And God says, this tiny city is going to be where the, where the savior of the universe is going to come from. He's calling his shot. If you're a pool player, he says, eight ball, corner pocket, right there. That's where he's going to be born. God was calling his shot. The baby will be born. The savior of the universe will be born in Bethlehem. And guess what? 
Jesus was born in Bethlehem. <laughs> he checked that box. And every other box that, that God laid out as the prophecies that said, this is how you'll know the Messiah, he checked every box. This is why we know Jesus was the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus being born was a big deal. It was the fulfillment of all these prophecies. Just in his birth, he was fulfilling prophecies, and then many more after that. Um, but what he came to do is an even bigger deal. What he came to do, uh, all of those prophecies that outlined, he said he was going to die. He's going to come. He's going to save the world through his death. And that was very confusing, but Jesus did that. He was going to die for our sins. Our missing the mark. We talked about that last week, right? Andrew was here. And he talked about missing the mark. Our missing the mark. God is going to fix that. Jesus is going to die to fix that. He's going to pay the price for our sin. Jesus is going to pay the price for our sin. And the price for our sin is separation between us and God. That's what we talked about last week. That's how it works every time. When you choose missing the mark, when I miss the mark with how God wants me to live, I miss God. I, I choose separation between me and God. And when God began to re-reveal himself to humanity, he set up a system of sacrifices. And he said, so the wages of sin is death. Every time there is sin, there has to be death. There has to be blood to pay for sin. That's how it happens. That's the system. So in the letter in the New Testament, Hebrews, it describes the old system. And uh, you can see it in the Old Testament, but Hebrews really sums it up. And uh, we'll read the next verse too. But Hebrews 9.13 says, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. So a family would make a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the family. So they would take their lamb or an ox or a bird and they would slaughter them on the altar. I know this is like graphic, <laughs> but it's what happened. So they would kill this animal and they would shed its blood on the altar and it was an expression of worship. It was how they communicated to God, um, everything we have is yours, God. We, we've messed up. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you help us to do better in the future. This was the old sacrificial system. And then Jesus came. And all these prophecies said, Jesus is going to change everything. He's going to completely flip the system on its head. And Hebrews, in just the next verse, outlines how that happens in, in 9.14. It says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Okay, so Jesus lives a perfect life. He doesn't miss the mark. He doesn't sin. He lives a perfect life. He hits the mark every time. And then the sacrifice of a lamb could only go so far. The sacrifice of a bird or an ox could only go so far because these are imperfect created animals. It can only cover a limited, a limited person or a family for a limited amount of time. They'd have to come back and do more sacrifices. But Jesus came to earth, and he was God in the form of man, and he lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. And when you have the perfect sacrifice, it covers all sin for all people for all time. And this is the system that Jesus came to flip on its head. There was a system of animals were dying. The, the blood of animals covered the sin for a, a particular group for a particular amount of time. But we had to keep doing that. And Jesus said, this is, we're going to finish this. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice for, to cover all sin for all people for all time. Your sin included. The price of your sin is death. We blood will be paid because of our sin, but it has because we're living, you know, if you live before Jesus, you sacrifice animals. We live about 2,000 years after God came to earth in the form of man. He died for our sins. And this is the crazy part. 
How do you, you know, you bring your animal to the altar and you slaughter it on the altar and then it is applied to your family and your sin is forgiven. How do you get the sacrifice of Jesus to apply to your sin? It is a gift. It is a free gift that God has given us and all we have to do is ask for it. So, we ask him and we say, God, I believe you. I messed up. I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm asking you to help me to do better. And that's it. We, we say, I'm sorry. Help me to do better. And God says, okay. And the sacrifice of Jesus is applied to your sin. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about what happens when you accept that sacrifice. We're going to talk about it again in next week, actually. Um, when you accept that sacrifice, as your sacrifice for your sin, you are, have access to God. You have eternal life in heaven. You have abundant life on earth. And we have access to that life, access to God, because Jesus paid the price for our sin. There's one more piece here um, that we haven't talked about yet, because Jesus didn't just die. That's not the end of the story. If you continue to read the end of those gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that recorded Jesus' life and death, at the end of that, Jesus dies on the cross. He pays the price for sin because that's how it works, right? The wages of sin is death. But then he defeated death and he came back to life. This is like one of the most bananas part of this whole story. <laughs> Jesus dies, but he's God. He's not just a, a, some guy that died on a cross. He is God in the form of man who dies and then three days later comes back to life. We believe that's what happened. We are here today because we believe that happened. Not in some figurative the universe, spiritual, vague kind of way. We believe that Jesus, literally, God came to earth in the form of man, literally died, and then literally came back to, work, to life. Crazy. We are here because of that event. We are here because we believe that. Because Jesus, we believe Jesus did not stay dead. If that didn't happen, if he didn't come back to life, we're wasting our time. All, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. He said, and if Christ has not been risen, he said this like a couple decades after it happened. He said, if Christ has not been risen, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We are wasting our time if this didn't happen. Our entire, and, and he really believed it happened. Our entire faith hinges on this event being true. And that's why the disciples are so radical because they follow Jesus around, they saw him crucified, and then they saw him come back to life. And that's why they were killed because they wouldn't shut up about it. They came to, they said, all right, you can kill us. If that's what, I'm not gonna say it didn't happen because I know what happened. I saw it happen. That's how devoted they were. The people who walked with Jesus believed that it happened. And it could be harder for us. Jesus prayed for us as people who didn't see him come back. <laughs> 2,000 years later, we still believe that Jesus came back to life. Our entire faith hinges on that being true. No archaeologist will ever dig up Jesus' body because he's only buried for three days. And then he came back to life. We believe he left an empty tomb behind him. Jesus defeated death and Jesus came back to life. The fact that he didn't stay dead sends a message to me as someone who believes in him. It says to me that it's about more than just the price of sin being paid because he paid the price and then came back to life. He defeated death. So when I accept his sacrifice, I don't let it start there. Jesus, I don't let it stop there. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. So Jesus came back from the dead, which means I'm called to something more. I'm called to 
to rely on him to help me get better at life, to miss the mark less. He has a mission and purpose for all of us. It doesn't just end at the moment of, yes, I receive your sacrifice. He came back from the dead to show us there is more. There is a mission and a purpose for your life, to spend the rest of your life following him with your life. That's what we believe we are called to do. Jesus is so important. He's the whole reason we're here. Jesus died for our sins and came back to life. And you get to reap the benefits. I get to reap the the benefits because he died to pay for my sin. And then he came back to life. He rose from the dead to give you mission, to give you purpose, more than just your sin being paid for, but spending the rest of our lives following him. Jesus died for our sins and came back to life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we can, we can see this logical conclusion that you love us and then sin separates you from us. You needed to come up with a solution. And from the very beginning, you knew Jesus would be that solution. So Father, we thank you that we have your word as a record of uh, the hinting toward Jesus, the record of Jesus's life, and then what it looks like to live in light of Jesus. So God, We today declare that we believe you. We believe that you came to die for us. We believe that that perfect sacrifice covered all sin for all people for all time. And God, we submit to you so that you can cover us with that sacrifice, that you can uh, forgive us of our sin because of what Jesus did. Father, we dedicate our lives to you. and, And it doesn't end there. You didn't just die, Jesus. You came back to life to show us there is more than just the sin being paid for that there is a life after that, an abundant life that we spend following you, doing our best to look more and more like you. God, thank you so much that we get to live that life. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.